Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Shattered. Shattered. That's the nothing personal word of the day. Not the movie with Tom Berenger. Not a bad movie, but no, not that. Shattered, as in Joe Kelly's window. Who's Joe Kelly? Well, it's a video that's going viral, and it's outstanding, but it's actually a pretty meaningful video. Joe Kelly's a pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, and he was apparently, according to his quarantine partner, his wife, or his quarantine partner, he was practicing a new pitch, a changeup. He's had a changeup. I guess he wasn't comfortable throwing it in games, but maybe he was. And he was throwing into a net, and there was a target in the back of the net. The target was not down in the catching position. It was sort of an eye-level target. It was a net that was outside of his home. So he was throwing the ball toward the net. He totally missed the net. Totally. Forget the target. He missed the net that was outside the target, and it shattered his bedroom window. Now, it went into spider shattering and some of the shards got on the bed. And it got me thinking because it's become viral and people were laughing. I actually didn't find it funny at all because I was watching it as a team president saying, wow, um, we have a small issue here. And the issue we have is that if we think that we can restart any sport without any sort of training camp, spring training, exhibition season, We are going to get some poor quality sports. So while I agree it's a funny video, and I agree it was a great word of the day, the point is that anytime you're hearing someone tell you, hey, spring training in baseball, it needs to be two weeks, or hey, we can go right into meaningful NBA games, we'll put them together for 10 days, part of that 25-day plan, and then we'll start games, or NHL, we'll get them on the ice, have them run in circles, skate in circles, and boom, we'll go right to playoffs. It's not going to happen that way. As a matter of fact, Brad Marchand, who is a good hockey player, I think he plays for the Boston Bruins, but I could be wrong. He came out and said, hey, if we start hockey again this season, just know the quality of the play is going to be horrific. The concern that I would have is not the quality of the play. It's the likelihood of the injury. Because anytime a player gets injured, that's costing us money as a team. We need players to have a quality product. You're going to pay for it because you're going to come to games. And if there's no fans, you're going to watch the games. But the question is, if the quality is so poor, will you stop watching? No, because there's such a thirst for content. So who gets hurt if the games start too early? It's team management who will have players going on the disabled list, who will have players getting hurt, potentially seriously injured. Right now, you've got three leagues in a complete offseason That came, two of them, NBA and NHL, in the middle toward the end of their regular season. MLB started spring training, then stopped, and they've been stopped for a month. I think it was a month yesterday since MLB stopped. So that's almost an off-season. If you think about it, you're getting into November for teams that are in the playoffs. You're toward Thanksgiving, 
And around Christmas time in a normal offseason schedule is when players start ramping up again because they've got to get their bodies sort of calmed and healed. And then they ramp up starting maybe Christmas into New Year's, get to spring training beginning of February, mid-February, and they start the season end of March. I'm not saying there's going to be a three-month spring training or an off-season that's going to continue and then a full spring training. But what I am saying very clearly is that pitchers, hitters, hockey players, skaters, how about the referees in, in hockey who are not practicing? There's no rinks. There's no one actually taking swings. There's no one having real bullpen sessions. There's no one. You saw the horse competition. Half the NBA players, if you're the Bulls, you want Zach Levine coming back and playing when he's been practicing on his outdoor court, doing shots from behind the backboard? Nothing but net? No, you're going to have to have some sort of exhibition season, and that's what commissioners and owners are focused on. It's financial, much more so than it is quality of play. Shattered. That was funny, Joe. Thank you. Remember Joe Kelly? He's the guy who commented on the Mookie Betts team meeting. It's that Joe Kelly. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. Okay, so you want to talk to Samson. This is a long so you want to talk to Samson, but it's going to be interesting because this is big time. Someone sent me on so you want to talk to Samson, David P. Samson, D-A-V-I-D-P-S-A-M-S-O-N. That's Twitter. That's my name, too. Go into the DMs, ask a question, I'll get to it. By the way, while you're doing that, Actually, unless you have split screens, it can't be while you're doing it, but consecutive, maybe concurrent if there were two screens. But let's just pretend that you only have one device, one screen. First, go to Twitter, ask a question. Then go on Apple where you listen to your podcast. Rate, review, give it five stars and ask me a question in the review and I'll do that at an end of month mailbag pod. There will be a mailbag pod at the first Saturday of every month for the previous month, which is why the first Saturday of April, you had the March one. The first Saturday of May, you'll have the April one. So thank you for doing that. And then before you listen to the show every day, 
Just tell a friend you're about to listen. I told you, Debo, I'd get to that. Eric Debo is works at CBS along with Mikey. They work with Coca, and uh, they want to make sure that we continue because people are listening, and I'm so appreciative. So is Coca. Coca is so appreciative because he gets to actually talk to another human being via Skype every day during the show, before the show, after the show. Other than that, he's quarantined. I guess maybe he's hanging out with Mikey. Maybe not. Maybe that's coming to an end. In any case, thanks for doing that. But today's So You Want to Talk to Samson is a something going on in the news today. <coughs> Excuse me. And it has ramifications that could last for years. Let me ask the question. Let me give you the answer. Does Jalen Green skipping college mean that men's college hoops are in trouble? You may be asking, who's Jalen Green? Well, I'm going to tell you. Jalen Green is a high schooler. Yes, he's a 17 or 18-year-old kid. He's one of the top, if not the top-ranked high school basketball player in the country. In normal years, other than 1995 to 2005, which is the last time high schoolers were allowed to skip college and get right into the NBA, you remember Kevin Garnett in those years. You remember Kobe Bryant in those years. They would skip college, go to the NBA. They'd be super young, living the NBA life. Sometimes it would work out. Sometimes it wouldn't. A little trivia question to some of the older listeners, but don't worry. That's my age, too. Who was the first player who didn't go to high school? Who didn't go to college? Who went from high school to the pros? Do you know it? I am asking this off the top of my head, and I believe, and Coca's going to furiously look for this while we're talking. I believe he wore number 52 for the New York Knicks. I believe he played for other teams, maybe the Lakers, too. He had this amazing quarantine beard, and his first name was Spencer. His last name was Haywood. Check that, Coke. I think I'm right. So meanwhile, you've got a situation where high schoolers have to go to college. They have something called a one and done. And you've seen that for the past many, many years. A player like Zion Williamson goes to Duke, plays for a year, and then is eligible for the NBA draft, joins the NBA with the Pelicans in Zion's case, and then goes on to have a career. That has been going on. Colleges like Duke, like Kentucky, they get a ton of players. They have to recruit They get great high schoolers. They play for a year. They play in the NCAA tournament. They either win or they don't win. They get upset. They make it to the final four. They don't. Then they say, it's so sad. I'm so upset, but I've chosen to go to the NBA. As though there were any question what these freshmen were going to do, because as a freshman in college, we've talked about this on Nothing Personal, your job is to get prepared for your life. Part of your life is the ability to earn a living. Why is Coco whispering in my ear that Kevin Garnett was the first one? No. Now he's saying Kevin Garnett was the first high schooler to skip college since 1975. That's not value added, Coca. Get the wax out of your ears. I'm looking for who was the first guy to make the NBA without going to college. Are you Googling Spencer Haywood? I can't Google and do the show and make sure I'm not sweating while I'm totally anxiety ridden about the fact that for the first time, I do not have water or any liquid at all. So if there's an issue in the next, what is now 45 minus nine, which is 36 minutes, should I need a drink? Should I need to clear my throat without any pause? Because, you know, I'm not going to pause. I have to declip the ear, take the jacket off, 
Try not to upset Wilson, who's sitting next to me on the glove chair, and then go get water. I'm trying not to do it. Here, I'm going to give the answer right now because it fascinates me. Reggie Harding in 1962, and it's t- you're telling me that Spencer Haywood went to college? I had it totally wrong that Spencer Haywood did not get drafted out of high school. All right, I don't need to do a correction because I'm being corrected right now. He went to the University of Detroit. I had that thought in my head. I'm trying to think what player I could have been thinking of. Anyway, I miss you, Spencer Haywood, and I loved watching you. He had the most amazing finger roll Spencer Haywood did. Anyway, let's get back to Zion Williamson. So players go to college. They go to Duke. They go to Kentucky. Then they declare because they're going to make money. In the NCAA, you know you don't get paid. They're called student athletes. They don't even get paid for their name, image, and likeness. That's the whole law that's trying to be changed where you can now start paying college players. Certain legislatures of certain states have said you may now pay college players starting in a couple years for their name, image, and likeness. And we said on Nothing Personal, that's an issue because if not every state has it, then if I'm a high school player, I'm going to want to go to college in a state where I can get paid. Now, of course, it's the best players who are doing that, but we're talking about the best players. It's only the best players who can skip high school and are ready for the NBA, who are going to be drafted in the first two rounds, who are going to make a 15-man roster, who are going to start making serious money in the NBA. Jalen Green announced, I'm not going to college. And we said to ourselves, that's crazy because the only way to get away without going to college, you could do what LaMelo Ball did. And you know from previous shows what he did. Remember he went to Australia? Remember he's trying to buy the team that he went to? He went right from high school, went to play in Australia. And once you play in Australia, I think it's for the same year that you need to have of of college play. You're then eligible for the NBA draft. So Jalen Green didn't want to go to Australia. He didn't want to go to college because he wanted to start earning money, but he's not ready for the NBA. So Adam Silver got together with a bunch of executives and a bunch of former players and tried to think of a system that they could use that would stop players from going overseas after high school that would get them into the NBA family. There's something in the NBA called the G League. It's like the minor leagues, let's say. It used to be, it's like the development league. But it really wasn't for high schoolers. Then they started something called the G League Developmental Program. The G League Developmental Program is like an academy. It's a year-long academy where players are invited to go and they learn how to be an NBA player. They get mentored by older veterans, former NBA players. They get taught life skills, how to be on the road. Can you imagine being a 19-year-old millionaire, going to team hotels, having a group of men, women, and children, all who want to be with you, be you, who are trying to get you and your money? It's difficult for anyone of any age, but for teenagers, it's even more so. So this G League developmental program is a program that is meant to turn young men into men and get them ready for the NBA. But the player, Jalen Green, said, that doesn't interest me very well. I'd rather go to college. Until the G League developmental program said, ah, we have a perfect plan. We are going to call Jalen Green and we are going to offer him $500,000. He doesn't have to pay tuition like the IMG Academy in Bradenton. 
the former Nick Boateri Academy that became the IMG Academy that started off just as tennis and now it's a place where people go in high school where they live and they board and they learn how to play and play all sports. This is basketball, the G League developmental program. Instead of paying tuition, Jalen Green will get $500,000 salary. In addition, because he is not in college, he has the opportunity to do a shoe deal, endorsements, and he can keep all the money. Why would he choose that over going to college? It's a no-brainer. Jalen Green is going to be a professional basketball, so, uh, professional basketball player, and he has a chance to start his career now. The NBA is brilliant in this regard. They are taking kids and giving them an opportunity to bypass college and not going straight into the NBA and getting them ready for the NBA, but giving them money to do it. That's how decisions get made. Why is this a big deal? Does this really matter? Well, it really doesn't. Here's why. People are crying foul. People are saying this is going to change college basketball. People are saying that if the best players have an opportunity to go to the G League developmental program, why would they ever go to college? And if no one's going to college, then the quality of college basketball is going to diminish. And if the quality of college basketball diminishes, who's going to watch it? All right, let me explain. How many players can you name in the NCAA tournament? Just out of curiosity, 64 teams call 10 people just for math at 640. If you want to say 12 per team, you have to add an extra 128. 640 and 128 is 768. So let's just say there's 768 players in the NCAA tournament, assuming 12 to a team. How many of those players can you name exactly? 15, 20, 25, 50? If you're totally obsessive and potentially have a TRO, temporary restraining order against you, maybe 150 of the players? If you work in the media as a college basketball analyst, you pretend you know 768, but you don't. Do you know that baseball GMs can't name every single player on a major league roster for all 30 teams? Did you know that? Some of them pretend they do, but then they get fired. You can't name them all. But why do you watch the NCAA tournament in March? You watch it because of the excitement of the one-and-done elimination nature. You watch it because upsets happen. You watch it because you know you're going to get to know a player or a team that will have a story as it goes. It's a Cinderella story. You know that there will be some really good players who shine, who you can then follow. If you're a fan of Duke, you will know the Duke players, even if they're a top 25 team or a top 50 team. If you're a lover of the Blue Devils, you're going to know who's on Duke. If you're a hater of Kentucky, you're going to do hate learning, and you're going to learn the five players who are playing for Kentucky, rooting against them. When will that change? When will you stop watching games? Now we're talking about the question. CBS is the network I work for, CBS Sports HQ, and I appreciate their platform. I appreciate it more than they know, and I'm okay with all the phone calls because I get that your fingernails are on the edge every single show. I get that you're concerned and worried because you know that I'm going to say things that are going to make you crazy. Thank God people are listening. Thank you. What is it that CBS is worried about? CBS wants people to watch the tournament. Why does the NCAA want people to watch the tournament? On CBS, because CBS pays rights fees to the NCAA to broadcast March Madness. Now, of course, there's games that go on during the course of the season. There's networks that show games, and that's all very well and good. But the majority of money for CBS is made during the tournament in March. 
they pay a huge sum of money to the NCAA who distributes it to the schools. That money that's distributed actually gets distributed to help other sports. We've talked about the reality of what happens if that money dries up. We talked about when Cincinnati canceled their soccer program because money is drying up. Until CBS decides to pay the NCAA fewer dollars in a broadcast deal because they view that the March tournament, March Madness, the NCAA men's tournament is not being watched and sponsors are not buying commercial time. Until that moment happens, it doesn't matter if there's 20 Jalen Greens. None of it matters. But why would the NBA have take such an interest in having Jalen Green, a high schooler with 906,000 Instagram followers as a teenager? Why would they want him in their program? Because they want to ride his coattails. As a league, we're always looking for popular players. We're always trying to find a way to make money off players. Of course we are. We admit it. Now nah, we don't admit it publicly. I admit it. We want players who have an opportunity to help us because they're popular. With Jalen Green and his 906 followers, guess what? Guess what he can do? He can bring attention and notoriety to the G League, to the developmental program. Look at what he's done. It's being talked about. It's being written about everywhere. I think I said 906,000. Why is Coca screaming? Why are you screaming in my ear? I said 906,000 followers. What do you think I said? I didn't say 906, Coca. Play it back. Did I say million? You have 906 followers. Are you in the developmental program? It's 906,000. Just rewind it on YouTube. We'll edit it. No, I'm just kidding. We don't edit. So the NBA is highly incentivized to do this, but the, is college, what are they going to do? How are they going to respond? My answer is in the short term, they have no response. They're going to do nothing. In the mid and long term, they are going to figure out that paying students to be athletes is going to happen. Will it start with name image likeness? Yeah. Will it end up as maybe paying a student a salary? Students get jobs all the time on campus, cleaning dishes, washing dishes, working in the athletic store, working in the bookstore, working in the library. Students have jobs in order to earn money, in order to pay debt, in order to have spending money. Why can't college players, why can't they have jobs? Why can't that be their job? There's plenty of student athletes who have jobs, who actually go to classes, much more so than many college athletes, who have to pay attention, get good grades, because half the people on the college basketball team, half, what am I talking about? 97% of people on college basketball teams have zero chance of sniffing a dollar of professional basketball, maybe in Europe, maybe in Asia, unlikely. You have to be the tip of the top of the cream of the crap. Crop. That's funny. I said cream of the crap. You have to be the cream of the crop. The cream of the crap has to go to work after college, and there would be good to maybe get a degree. The cream of the crop can work in college, get paid, and their work is being on the basketball team. What would be wrong with that? If more and more players bypass college to go to the developmental program, college is going to have to change. Jalen Green, you're a trailblazer. Enjoy it with your 906 followers. Ha ha. Okay, who knows Andrew Cuomo from his briefs? And I, I don't mean his skivvies. Andrew Cuomo, his daily briefs. Yes, he's the governor of New York. 
the governor of New York, they are the epicenter of coronavirus. He has been a tremendous leader during these times, although there are a tremendous number of cases, tremendous number of deaths. It's unbelievable. But in a city like New York, where everyone's living on top of each other, it's really hard to social distance. Just think about elevators or stairs or walking down the street. It's very difficult. Andrew Cuomo's done a great job, and he got himself involved in sports yesterday. How did he do it? Because he had a phone call with someone named Jeff Wilpon. Jeff Wilpon is the, is the COO and owner of the New York Mets, along with his father, Fred Wilpon. And Saul Katz, actually, but Saul Katz is really out of the media. It's really Fred and Jeff Wilpon. Remember, they're trying to sell their team for $2.6 billion to Steve Cohn, and then Steve Cohn backed out of it, or really the Wilpons backed out of it. Depends on who you believe. We talked about it, nothing personal. I know what happened. The Wilpons 100% backed out of it because Steve Cohn wanted more control. I know Steve Cohn. He wants control, period. So Jeff Wilpon's on the phone with Andrew Cuomo, and wouldn't you know it, Andrew Cuomo said to Jeff Wilpon, you know, we really got to get sports back. And the way to get sports back is, you know, there aren't going to be any fans. And Jeff Wilpon responded saying, listen, we're happy to do that. But there's going to have to be a negotiation with the players union because we're not going to be able to pay them what their salaries are if we go back to playing baseball. Andrew Cuomo went public with that conversation and said, hey, it's a different world. The economy has changed. It makes perfect sense, Andrew Cuomo said, that there will have to be some sort of salary adjustment. Here's the problem. Hold on, I'm getting a FaceTime, and I'm just going to quickly say, um, Will, I'm actually live doing the show now, literally. I appreciate this is Will Manso, one of the great fans of Nothing Personal. Will, say hello to everyone, and I'm going to have to call you back. And by the way, your quarantine look is outstanding. Bye, Will. That's Will Manso. You can follow him. He's a fun follow. He's following quarantine. He's in like day 35 of his quarantine. And he's there with his, his partner, Giselle. And they've got, I think, three quids, kids quarantined with him. And it's quite a sight. So in any case, I'm wiping a little sweat off. But I have no water, so I'm just wiping with my handkerchief. My non-blow handkerchief. So Jeff Wilpon says to Andrew Cuomo, hey, just so you know, we can't pay. Andrew Cuomo says, that makes sense. It's a different economic world. It's absolutely different. We have no choice. Well, guess who commented? Our main man, Scott Boris. Scott Boris gave a quote that said, Mr. Wilpon apparently failed to inform Governor Cuomo that players and owners already reached a good faith agreement which contemplated MLB games without fans and at neutral sites. Further, the players in this agreement agreed to be paid a fraction of their full salary based upon games played divided by 162. Hmm. Let me explain what's happening. About three weeks ago, MLB made a deal with the Players Association that we reported here on Nothing Personal. We discussed it. We didn't report it. Someone else reports it. We discuss it and we explain it. We decode it. They gave $170 million to the players as a salary advance. That $170 million was in advance to what they would have made in April or May, knowing that if games had returned, then that 170 would go toward what their annual salary would be. But if the season is canceled, that's all they would get. And the players agreed not to sue the owners for any of their pay in a canceled season. That was the agreement. Then in the agreement, 
there was a quote that said, the commissioner's office and the union will discuss in good faith the economic feasibility of playing games in the absence of spectators or at appropriate substitute neutral sites. Hey, Scott, let me read it again and let me be very clear. The commissioner's office and the union will discuss in good faith the economic feasibility of playing games in the absence of spectators. So here's how the conversation goes between Jeff Wilpon and the commissioner. Hey, commissioner, it is not economically feasible for us to play in a stadium without fans. We cannot lose our local revenue and still pay the players as though we had that same local revenue. We owe Jacob DeGrom $30 million. We cannot afford, if there is an 81-game season with no fans, we would have normally had 40 home games, which is half the number of home games. So we would have had half our revenue, which makes sense that we would have paid Jacob DeGrom half his $30 million. That's what the agreement says. If we play 81 games, then Jacob DeGrom gets half his salary. We're playing half the games. That's what Scott Boris thinks the agreement says. But no. If there's no fans, all bets are off and a negotiation has to take place. And the negotiation is between the union, not Scott Boris, and the owners. Because do you know how many owners it takes for there to be no baseball? Let me do math for all you listening and watching. Eight. Eight owners have to say we would rather close our doors for the year than pay these players the prorated share of their full salary. Eight. It's not 30. It's not 23. It's eight. Because if 22 owners want to play and eight don't, guess what? There's no plane because there has to be an agreement amongst the owners with a three quarters vote of 23 out of 30 owners who have to agree to a deal with the union about how the players will get paid. The loss of local revenue in baseball will be significant by playing in front of no fans much more so for some teams than others. Obviously, if you're the Red Sox, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Mets, it's a lot bigger deal than if you're the Marlins or the Orioles. I can't believe I'm saying the Orioles in the same breath as I'm saying the Marlins in terms of fan avidity and in terms of local revenue, but it's true. And we're not even getting to the negotiations that have to take place between teams and their TV partners. Do you think if there's only 81 games, that the teams are going to receive all of their broadcast revenue, or are they just going to get half of it? That's a whole nother segment. I'm not doing it right now. But what I am telling you is that if you think baseball starting before there's a huge fight between the union and the management, the players, the owners, there will be. And they're going to try to keep it quiet because during this time of coronavirus, they do not want the PR nightmare of a labor battle while everyone is struggling with unemployment, trying to figure out the new routine, trying to figure out what normal will look like and when that will start to look like. That really didn't make much sense, did it, Coca? People are trying to figure out what the new normal is. They don't want to read about millionaire players fighting with billionaire owners. I get it. I always tried to keep those fights with players quiet. It would always leak out because there were people in the media sort of like me now, who wanted to tell people what was going on. We were fighting with a player or trying to sign a player for as little money as possible, trying to make as much money as possible. Those basic principles of business will not change because of coronavirus. You are seeing it in the furloughs and the layoffs. You're seeing it in the discussions that sports leagues are having about how long they can pay their employees who are not working. 
MLB is trying to pay everyone through May 31st has agreed to that. Will that continue with the employees making 50 grand, 75 grand a year? Who knows after May 31st? The reality is that there are a lot of problems right now in our economy and from a health standpoint, from a life and death standpoint, that listening to Scott Boris fight with owners or Tony Clark, the head of the union, fight with owners or the commissioner about whether or not DeGrom will make 30, 15 or 8 million to play a season, that doesn't interest me or anybody. But you mark my words, it's not even a wait to see. That fight is happening. A lot of people are trying to figure out what to do in their companies. One of the things when you have a company that you have to figure out for yourself is when is the right time to expand or when is the right time to contract? When's the right time? Because in baseball, like in any business, there's only one position you don't want to be. You don't want to be static. You either want to be growing or you want to be shrinking. But staying where you are is a guarantee to business failure. And deciding when to shrink and when to expand is one of the great questions that all leagues face. Leagues call it contraction or expansion. What expansion means is that you go from MLB, let's talk, 30 teams to 32 teams. Why is that a business proposition? Because when you have 32 teams, that means you're adding two teams. And anytime there's an added team, there's something called an expansion fee. Think about it with your local uh, In-N-Out Burger. God, I wish I miss In-N-Out Burger. That may be the thing I miss the most living on the East Coast. I miss In-N-Out. And all of you people who are going to at me and say that Five Guys or some of these other Burger Burger Fi or are as good as In-N-Out. No, In-N-Out is number one, period, end of sentence. I've tried so long to actually, by the way, Coca, get out of my ear. Get out of my ear. You just wrote In-N-Out sucks with 20 S's. Do you know what your problem is, Matt? This is really your problem. Your taste buds are used to not being stimulated. By the way, I love Shake Shack. The guy who started Shake Shack is a yelly, so I'm definitely partial to Shake Shack. But it's not in and out. In any case, when there's a franchise for In-N-Out, you want to expand In-N-Out, you get someone to buy a franchise. How about Chick-fil-A? When you want a Chick-fil-A franchise, you buy it. You buy a franchise. You pay a franchise fee. That's what happens in sports when teams expand. You pay an expansion fee. It is not out of the question that an expansion fee to baseball could be upwards of a billion dollars. What do you need to expand? You need a community who's willing to build a ballpark because here's why. No expansion in baseball will happen without public money to build a ballpark. Because any dollar that a potential new owner is spending on a ballpark for a team to play is a dollar fewer that he can give in an expansion, he or she or they can give in an expansion fee. And do you know what happens to the dollar that goes to the expansion fee that gets paid to central baseball? It gets distributed. So everybody gets 3.3 cents. Now let's do the math. If you get a billion dollars, do you know how much money you're getting? Do it right now. What's 10% of a billion dollars? That's $100 million. What's 3%? $30 million per team. Could be an expansion fee. Multiply it by two. That's $60 million for every team. Would teams agree to have two extra teams in baseball in return for a $60 million payment. 
Well, as a former team executive, I would tell you that I would sell a shirt off my back, cut my hair, wax my chest, and basically paint my toenails any shade of gray you want, including 50 of them, in order to get a $60 million check in the short term that I can use to increase payroll, try to win more games, and in return, try to get more fans, better broadcast deal, and raise ticket prices. So I'm going to invest that $60 million and try to get paid more in return. So my return on investment would be significant. And on top of that, I'm going to hope that because people pay a billion dollars in expansion fee, that means the value of my franchise is going up. Are you with me? What is the incentive for any league not to expand? Let's get back to the college topic. What happens if there are, is a requirement for 60 more Major League Baseball players because there's two more teams? Are there 60 major league players around the minor leagues who are good enough to be at the major league level? It's really 50 because it's a 25-man roster, so it'd be 50 more players. I have no idea why I said 30 times two, maybe because there's 30 franchises, but it's 26 is the real number of players, which, by the way, the number of players on a roster is going to be increased because of the truncated season. But let's just say 26 Are there 52 more players? What will be the dilution factor? This is what we talk about inside the four walls of the commissioner's office. What would be the dilution factor in pitching, in hitting? What would be the increased costs in development and a whole franchise starting and building a whole minor league system? How will it be to find two cities to host Major League Baseball when we still have two cities that have not ponied up for a ballpark in Tampa and Oakland? We cannot expand until Tampa and Oakland step up and give public money. We need those owners to get those municipalities and cities and states to give public money for a public-private partnership. Because if they don't, we need other cities who are willing to take a relocated team. Because if they don't, then eventually those two teams will have to be contracted. Because they can't stay at the Oakland Alameda Coliseum and they can't stay at the Trop- at the Thunderdome in Tampa, St. Petersburg. They need new ballparks. So the line we've used forever is that there will be no expansion until there are new ballparks in Tampa and Oakland or we choose where to expand. And I know back in 2006, 7, 8, trying to move the Marlins, there are not a lot of cities stepping up even back then. Now, granted, this was right before the 2008 recession, and then after the 2008 recession, there was no chance of getting public money out of anyone but Florida. (laughs) That's a topic for later. But now, as we're heading into this recession, who exactly is going to agree to give money to get Major League? Is Portland going to step up? San Antonio? Vegas? Vegas? Charlotte? Sacramento? Montreal. Montreal couldn't pony up. Back in the day, they lost their team because they couldn't step up and build a stadium. Now they're going to step up and build a stadium? We have to pretend the answer is yes because we need leverage for Tampa and Oakland to step up. So we have to pretend that all these cities are available for relocation. If MLB says we are going to expand to 32, we're going to find out quickly which cities are serious. And then we're going to find out quickly that there's no place for the two teams to relocate who don't have new ballparks. So you cannot reverse the order. It's got to be ballparks, then expansion. It can't be expansion and then ballparks. No matter how badly teams want the added revenue that comes with expansion, there's no way that there will be 23 owners who are that short-term focused because the commissioner won't allow it. Could the 23 owners get together and say, you know what? Forget Tampa and Oakland. 
We need that 60 million. We need that expansion revenue. Still not going to happen. You're not going to get 23 votes. Okay, I'm reviewing a movie. So you know what the quarantine lifetime best picture challenge is. You've got to watch every best picture while you're in quarantine during the course that that has. There's got to be a better way to say it. Maybe Coco will come up with a script. Here's what it is. It's called the quarantine lifetime best picture challenge. You have to watch every best picture of your lifetime. For me, that's 1968 to 2020. Well, it'll be more, but the last best picture was Parasite in 2019. I'm not watching them in order. I've already seen 50 out of 51. I'm going to watch Pat and I haven't yet because I got very wistful yesterday. I wanted to be motivated. I wanted to feel good and I wanted to also cry. I wanted to look at an unbelievable performance by Joaquin Phoenix. I wanted to remember Russell Crowe before he ate Russell Crowe. I wanted to see Oliver Reed. Remember we talked about him? He was an Oliver and then he died during the shooting of Gladiator. Gladiator won Best Picture in 2000. That's 20 years ago. Matthew Coca was, I don't know. I don't know how old he is. Nine? He was nine. How old are you, Coca? Isn't that funny? When you get to a certain age, I view Coca as the producer, as a talented producer. And it doesn't matter to me whether he's 15, 25, 35, or 50. He's turning 30 this year. So he was born, I assume, in 1990, if I'm doing my math right, with seven minutes left of a 45-minute show. And being born in 1990 means he was 10 years old when Gladiator came out. The odds are he didn't see it in the theater because I don't think anyone's bringing a 10-year-old to see Gladiator. That said, watch it. So Coca must have watched it. And how do I know this? I have had the unfortunate pleasure of seeing Coca's back without a dress shirt, T-shirt, or polo shirt on. Coca, I'm telling him, is this public? Can I say this? I'm saying it. Sorry, Coca. Coca has the movie poster of Gladiator tattooed on his back. He's got Russell Crowe on his back. Out of all the things to be tattooed, he chose Gladiator? Gladiator? Oh, my God. I, first of all, the tattoo work is unbelievable. His tattoo artist is the Picasso of tattoos. He's covered head to toe. Not really. I think he has like a few square inches left. He's a tattoo guy. Don't judge a book by its cover. He is a learned guy. He loves reading. He's very cultured. Yeah, he's got tattoos. My question for him, and this is absolutely rhetorical. I don't want to hear the answer. Russell Crowe? I would have gotten Joaquin Phoenix's sister. How about her? That scene with Joaquin Phoenix when he is overpowering and hitting on his own sister? What a movie. Go watch Gladiator if you haven't seen it. Made me feel good. Not that scene. That scene was creepy. Very creepy. But Joaquin Phoenix is one of the great actors. Russell Crowe was phenomenal. And uh, the end of the movie is one of my favorite ends of any movie. I think the line is, I will see you soon, but not today. In this life, no. I'm getting it from Coke in my ear, but you got You have to say it much slower if I'm going to say it. I love the last line because he buries a little, a little um, idol, a little doll, and he says, because Russell Crowe dies, I'm giving spoilers for gladiators 20 years old. Get over it. And he says, I will see you soon, but not today. Not today. ML Beard Challenge, it's day 33. Someone actually DM me, and I appreciate that. I do. Someone said I have the best quarantine beard. Now, granted, you're not my target demographic. You're not. 
but I still love the compliment. Now, I did hear also from someone who said it's only the best quarantine beard because the microphone covers the gray. Well, I'd like to say I'm proud of the gray. I think it may be more white than gray, but either way, I think I have a good quarantine beard, and Coca and I are growing it. It's way better than Coca's. It's time for a post of a side-by-side of me and Coca from day one. We're going to do it on day 39, wait six more days, because that'll be the beard that would have happened had I made it to the end of Survivor. Instead, I had a day three beard. Ugh. But that would have been final tribal council. Six more days is what I would have looked like. Maybe a little less gray because it was five years ago. Actually, it was taped in the summer of 13. Wow, that's seven years ago. Way fewer gray hairs, but sort of the bulk would have been the same. So the beard challenge, day 33, we're going to Cleveland today. Cleveland, and I'm making a correction. I'm going through the 32 NBA teams one day at a time. Yeah, there aren't 32. I said it wrong. Coco was asleep at the switch, shockingly, because he's supposed to correct me as it happens. There are 30 NBA teams for the next 29 days because we did Atlanta yesterday. Remember the big, uh, big boy, the Boys and Girls Club of America, the Boys and Girls Club of Atlanta. That was yesterday. Today, we're going to Cleveland. How long will it take you to figure out the order in which I'm doing NBA cities? How long will it take? Does anyone have it now? Tweet at me. DM at David P. Sampson. Coke is saying, I have no idea. It looks like you skipped Boston. Well, I guess that means it's not alphabetical or it means it is alphabetical and I purposefully skipped Boston. If you tweet at me, DM me, why is Cleveland second to Atlanta? Hmm, interesting. Anyway, $1,000 is going to Cleveland. I'm going to find an organization. It may be some sort of food bank in Cleveland. It may just go to the Cleveland Cavaliers Team Foundation. I love Cleveland. I loved giving the $1,000 to the Indians. I, I love it. You go there, you go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's amazing. I, lo- I was at, lucky enough to be at LeBron's first game as a member of the Miami Heat when he went back to Cleveland and they were burning his jersey. This was before he went to Cleveland and won a title, I think. <clears throat> of course it was. It's amazing how quickly you go from burning a jersey to loving a guy again. Oh, Cleveland also has a great running route. We stayed at a hotel when we played the Indians. It's a hotel not far from Progressive Field, and there's great runs, and you have to run through some okay neighborhoods. The thing is, when you run in Cleveland, you have to pay attention because it can get very windy quickly. Anyway, ML Beer Challenge, $1,000. Please, please, people are in need. If you're ordering takeout, double tip, triple tip. If you can afford to give to a foundation who are helping people who have no jobs, please do that. Wait to see. Hey, I got one right. Are you focused on the fact that I got to wait to see right? Well, do you remember I predicted that Mike Conley would beat um, Zach Levine in the finals of the horse challenge because Conley is ambidextrous and playing indoors? I didn't watch Thursday night. I admit it to you. I did not watch the horse challenge last night. I could barely get through the first round on Sunday. But I did find out because I predicted I knew Conley would win. I knew Levine would win. And they both made it to the finals. And then Mike Conley beat Zach Levine. Does anyone care if a tree falls in the woods and no one hears it? Did it actually fall? I don't think it did. Although when you go and look, it actually did fall. Hold on. I'm going to ask Emmanuel Kant. In any case, that wait to see was correct because we have accountability on this show. What's my next wait to see? Von Miller, I hope he gets no symptoms. He did test positive for Corona, COVID-19, coronavirus, NFL player, a well-known NFL player. 
prior to the Jay, Clay, Jay Glazer breaking news, my wait to see is there will be more big-time NFL players who test positive, and this will become a factor in whether and when sports starts even with no fans. Wait to see. Von Miller will not be the last active player. At some point, there's going to be a serious conversation between players' unions and leagues and owners and broadcast partners and sponsorship partners. They're going to have to look at each other's eyes through Zoom, and they're going to say to each other, we got to do something. And you know why? Because this is business. It's nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.